calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Mystery Theater presents... This is Christopher Lee, the host of Mystery Theater. Storytelling is the oldest art, and before men had words, they sang their stories as music, the primal form of communication. Consider the following. If I say the Lone Ranger, what comes to mind? Rossini's William Tell Overture, surely. Or can you hear the flight of the bumblebee without imagining the green hornet? We're about to play the theme that introduces a certain masked crime fighter, who, by the way, just happens to be the Lone Ranger's great nephew. Following that, We'll count down for blast-off with X-1 as a rocket's roar becomes a chorus of human voices. Later, we'll conclude with Brian Dunleavy in Dangerous Assignment. But first, a familiar piece of music by Rimsky-Korsakov after this. Welcome back to Mystery Theatre. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Let's follow the daring young publisher Britt Reed and his faithful valet Cato as they stay one step ahead of the law on the Green Hornet in Hot Guns for Sale. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach. The Green Hornet. daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed as he races toward another thrilling adventure. The Green Hornet strikes again. Hurry, Cato. Here's where we smash a stolen gun racket.
Our story begins late at night in the suburbs outside the city as one of the circulation trucks of the Daily Sentinel climbs a steep slope with a load of early additions for the nearby rural towns. As the truck nears the top of the grade, the driver speaks. Car coming, Jerry. See the headlights? Yeah, coming fast. Uh-huh. As soon as we get over the rise, you'll we'll see him. Hey, it's a truck. He's on the wrong side of the road. Get over, get over. Oh, God, you're setting straight for us. Jerry, you hurt? No, I'm okay. Hey, it turned over. Says I'm right. Just smashed my left front fender in the headlight. Hey, maybe they're hurt. Okay, okay, we'll take a look. And we gotta get traveling. Circulation man, Joe Skinner's alive. Those newspapers don't get delivered. I don't see nobody. Hello! Hey, where are you? Where's the driver? Gosh, Hadley. They ain't in a cab. They... Hadley. Yeah, I see. Rear end open up and they spill right out. They're guns, ain't they? Yep, a truckload of guns. Yeah, I'll get them, Jerry. What the... oh, nice going. They're out cold, Dutch. Yeah, Wayner. Blackjack works okay. But what are we going to do with them guns? Our truck is smashed up. But take their truck. Huh? A daily sentinel truck? Are you nuts? You heard me. Get busy. Throw out them papers and switch the guns. We're taking their truck. <laughs> Daily Sentinel, publisher's office. The truck? Where? Yes, I'll tell him. Yes, Miss Case? The circulation manager just called, Mr. Reed. That truck's been found. Where is it? Right in the center of Meadow Park. Park? What about the driver and his helper? No trace of them, Mr. Reed. The odd thing is, there weren't any newspapers in the truck. They weren't delivered, were they? No, sir. The papers never got to the dealers. That's odd. Okay, Miss Case, tell them to keep after it. Yes, sir. Oh. Looks to me like Hadley and Jerry are heading for a dressing down one another. Cassie, I brought them back alive. Where's Reed? Who or what, Axford? If you've been hunting, I haven't... Hello, Miss Case. Hadley and Jerry. Uh-oh. The alibi better be good. Mr. Reed's in his... Miss Case... Mr. Reed is here. Exhibit A and B, Mr. Reed. The Daily Sentinel's missing truck drivers. I found them for you, Reed. They was out... Never mind, Mike. Hadley, your truck was found in the center of the park, deserted. Did you leave it there? No, sir. So help me, Mr. Reed. Jerry and I were climbing Balch Hill when we got clipped by a truck coming the other way. I see. I found them out that way, Reed. They was tumbling their way back to town. Mr. Reed, the guys we hit slugged us. Their truck was wrecked and they must have used ours. And you know for what, Mr. Reed? For guns. Good grief. Guns? Hadley, are you on the level? So help me. We saw them scattered all over the ground just before they knocked us cold. Revolvers and machine guns and rifles, dozens of them. Hello, get me the city desk, Miss Case. Yes, sir. Use the other phone. Get Sergeant Moran at police headquarters. Tell him about this. Axford will go to the place where the trucks were wrecked with Moran. Suffering snakes, I sure will, Reed. Look for that other truck, see? Hello, Gunnigan, Reed talking. Keep a spot on the front page open. Our truck drivers ran into more than an accident. We may have a story, a big story. Sure, this is the spot? Where's the other truck? It's gone. It was gone this morning when we came to. You can see the marks from the tires, Moran. Ah, uh, that might have been anybody's tires. How do I know that you're not making this up, Hadley? It's just your word against. Yeah? The... Look down the ravine. 
Holy crows, the bundles of newspapers. Sure, those lugs tossed them out to make room for the guns. Yeah, but we can't look around much longer. It's getting on towards dark. If they switched in a hurry, they might have left something. Gunnigan's got to have a story. Then use your eyes and not your mouth, Axwood. I'm looking. It was right here. Ask Jerry. For Pete's sake, you said that before. Save it. Holy crow. Huh? Moran, will you look what I found? Golly, where till I tell Reed about this? Open up. Cato. Cato. Oh, golly. Uh, who's at home? What? Mr. Axford, why you first knock on doors, then open door yourself? On the counter. I'm that excited, Cato. Where's Reed, Cato? I can hear you in the next county. You got news? Reed, I found the gun. You did? Yep, Moran's got it. He took it over to headquarters to check the number. It's not a new gun. Nope, it's been used before. Well, that proves Hadley was telling a straight story, doesn't it? It sure looks that way. You called the city desk? Sure I did. That's how I learned you was here at the apartment. A truckload of used guns. Axford, we may have stumbled into something big. Some racket in guns. Wait, Cato, answer, please. Mr. Reed's residence. Hello? W- one moment. It's for Mr. Axford. Okay, that must be Sergeant Moran. Hello, Moran. You got news about that gun? Sure, I'm listening. Holy crow, Moran. Is that a fact? Golly. Sure, and thanks. Sounds big, Axford. Reed, that gun was the one used in the Crayley murder. It's the very same number. The Crayley murder? But Dalford was tried and convicted for that crime a year ago. He died in the chair. It's... Hey, wait a minute. Doesn't the police department take charge of all those guns immediately afterwards? Yeah, Reed. They're supposed to destroy them or sell them to responsible parties. Men who drive truck last night, not the responsible party, yes? No, Cato. Honest people don't go around switching trucks or using blackjacks. If you're asking me, Reed, there's something rotten in the police department. Somebody must be selling them guns to racketeers on the slide. Axford, get over there. The police department... See Moran at once and start digging. Find out who has charge of those guns. But there's a couple of men, Reed. There's Deputy Commissioner Stacy and his whole department. Nolan, Bayless... Never mind the count. The Sentinel needs facts. Now, get going. Okay, I'm on my way. So long. I'll see you in the headlines. He certainly will see us in the headlines, Cato. What do you mean, Mr. Bridge? Don't you know why he sent Axford away? We're going to do some investigating on our own hook. Open the sliding panel, Cato. The Green Hornet's taking a hand in this game. Followed by Cato, Britt Reed stepped through the secret panel in the rear of his bedroom, then along a narrow passage built within the wall of the apartment house itself, a passage that led directly to an adjoining building fronting on another street. It was a side street, dark and deserted. No one could guess that behind its ramshackle front... The building served as the hiding place for the sleek black beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. You have the Hornet mask and the gas weapon, Cato? Yes, sir. I take them from the secret drawer. The gun is loaded? It's already. Where we go, please? We're checking up on the underworld, Cato. With a Green Hornet mask and reputation, we should be able to uncover plenty that the police can't get. Okay, step on it. As the great car roared into life, a section of the wall lifted in front of it. <laughs> car turned into the street. Then the section of wall closed automatically as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice sale we made today, huh, Wayne? Yeah. 
two Tommy guns and a dozen automatics to Dice Condor. <laughs> Guess he wants to protect his gambling joint. Yeah, let him worry. We don't. Nope, we just sell him the guns, that's all. Here's a thousand bucks. Put it away. Yeah. You know, Wayne, I was kind of worried for a while. About running into that Sentinel news truck? Yeah. I thought there might be trouble. Well, there would have been if we hadn't used a persuader to put them two guys to sleep. Yeah, they didn't get a look at it. Sure they didn't. And after we used that truck and got rid of it, that's all there was to it. Yeah. As long as you had some of our boys go after our truck. Is it fixed yet? Yeah, they're working on it in the back. Be a couple of days yet. A couple of days? Don't be a sap, Dutch. We got to do it on the QT. If we took it to a regular repair joint, the cops might spot it. So what? So plenty. Good detective could check the damage, find out what happened. You mean there might be some paint from that sentinel truck scraped off ours? Yeah, something like that. Now, forget it. Count that change. Yeah, okay. Grab that, Dutch. Yeah, who's calling? Hello, Patroni. This is Dutch. What's on your mind? <laughs> Somebody asking about buying guns? <laughs> as long as it ain't the cops and you know the guy, why, that's our business. Uh, who asked you? Who? Hey. Hey. Hey, Patroni. What's the matter? Yeah, he hung up. Didn't tell you? I uh, just said some guy. Well, maybe you don't want to mention names. It's funny, Wayner. What? We had a couple other phone calls about the same thing. Some guy looking for guns. Yeah. And no name mentioned. That's the way I like it. That's playing it smart. I don't know. The way Patroni sounded. Oh. Well, it's sort of like he was scared instead of careful. Like he was afraid to mention names. Yeah, you're nuts. Besides, we got them guns in the cellar below the garage. No matter what happens, nobody could find him. And then... Who's that? Come on, we'll see. Bring your gun. Yeah, I got it. Open the door. What the... Why, there's nobody here. Somebody rang that bell. It must have been... Boss, look, stuck on the door. I just noticed. Well, there's writing on it. I'm in the market for guns. I'll see you later. Oh, I wonder who could... Dutch, look at this. Yeah, Wayner. This sign right below the note. Dutch! It's the sign of the Green Hornet. It is Wayner, Mr. Britt? You're certain? I'm positive, Cato. I heard them through the door. That's why I left that note instead of talking. What? Wayner's the one who sells the guns. I mentioned something about a garage and a hidden cellar underneath. Before the Hornet starts dickering with him, I want to know more about it. Uh, pardon, please. Did Wayner name man behind him? Political rat who's getting those guns to him? That is it, yes. Well, Cato, we didn't mention any names. It's another reason for playing a waiting hand. I want to trap the big shot behind the racket, too. I see. I'll call Wayner later. Kato. What, what is it? Look, down the street at the corner. Isn't that Axford and Sergeant Moran? Yes, sir. They have been checking on suspects, perhaps. Yes, we're in luck, Kato. Hold on. What you do? Drive right past them, Kato. We'll be gone before they have a chance to reach for guns. We'll give them something to talk about. Hold on. Here we go. Axford, that car! Watch it. Holy Crowbaran, where's my gun? That's the Green Hornet. Oh, save your bullets. He's out of the sight already. But golly, Moran, even if we didn't get no place looking for that gun racketeer, at least I got something for the front page. The Green Hornet's busy again. The following morning, Britt Reed read the Daily Sentinel story at the breakfast table before going to his office. He congratulated Axford for his reporting. Yes, Axford, it's a nice yarn you phoned into the city, Dad. <laughs> Gunnigan liked you too, Reed. Golly, the hornet passed so close to us, I could have reached out and touched him. Like this. Uh, like you're touching me? Yes. <laughs> it's just as well you didn't try. Ah, uh, there wasn't time. 
Uh, there's only one thing wrong with the story, Reed. Yes? We wasn't allowed to mention nothing about the gun racket. Well, of course not, Axford. If somebody in the police department's involved, the less said about that angle, the better. Did uh, you and Moran get anything? Uh, not a blessed clue, Reed. If it wasn't for running into the harlot, the evening would have been a total loss. You know, I've been thinking. I got a theory that... <laughs> Another theory. No way. This Excuse one is... please, Mr. Britt. It's uh, almost 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock? Holy crow. Yeah, I'm due at the office in 20 minutes, Axford. You'd uh, better get the sedan. I'll have it in front of the door in five, Reed. So long, Cato. Good day, Mr. Axford. Cato. Yes, Mr. Britt? There's something for me to do? Get over to Wainer's place at once. Where we called last night? Yes, I want you to watch them like a hawk. Find out where that garage is. Call me at the office on the private phone if you have I to. I understand. But... I go as soon as I finish dishes. Come on, the dishes. Let them wait. Get moving and don't forget to phone me. Do we go right in the garage, boss? No. Wait a minute. Huh? Take a look around first. Hey, what's eating you? There's a lot of passers-by, that's all. We might have been tailed. For what? Nobody suspects us of anything. Well, I don't know. That story in the Sentinel... Just because it mentioned the Hornet don't mean nothing. It mentioned the racket, too, Dutch. Not ours. Yeah. How do we know? Didn't put a name on it. It might have been our guns as well as anything yeah, else. Not a chance. There ain't been no leaks or nothing like that. Maybe so. Yeah, there's nothing suspicious. A couple of dames across the street. A Chinese laundry man who just came around the corner coming this way, and there was two guys in front of the drugstore. Okay, Dutch, I guess it's clear. <laughs> clear as blue sky. Come on, into the garage. Yeah, I'll get the doors. Still working. Inside. So, that is garage. Now I'll remove this laundry bundle and find telephone. I call Mr. Britt. Tell him about garage. But, Mr. Reed, what's the good of Axford taking this assignment if he can't mention names in the story? Because we're not sure of names yet, Miss Case. We don't want a libel suit. Outside of seeing the Hornet last night, what did they accomplish? He's been with Moran all day. We're keeping after it, Miss Case. Now suppose the police are called off. We still keep after it. Hadley's our employee. He and Jerry were slugged. Our truck was hijacked. Nobody can get away with that. They're getting away so far. But I wonder who'd be passing those guns along. Well, whoever it is is making plenty, Miss Case. I suppose so. The police pick up plenty of guns during a year, don't they? Every gun used in a crime. And every gun for which there's no license. And Deputy Commissioner Stacy heads that department. Yes. Those guns are supposed to be destroyed or sold through legitimate channels. Certainly they shouldn't turn up again in the hands of racketeers. Yet over and over, the police have arrested criminals and found them in possession of guns used in previous crimes. Well, I hope there's not... Hey, Reed, I told you so. Axford. I thought you were at headquarters. I just come from there. Reed, I told you I had a theory. What are you talking about? Holy crow, I'm talking about the Green Hornet. What else would it be? What is it this time? Is the Hornet mixed up in that truck crash? It ain't so funny, Casey. That's the right answer for once. Hey, now, wait a minute, Axford. Aren't you stretching things by guessing? It was a guess this morning, Reed, but it ain't now. Because the cops got a letter from the Hornet saying he knew all about them guns. So you see, I... What's that? A signal for your private phone, Mr. Reed. I'll get it. If you want me, I'll be in my office, Miss Case. But, Reed, I was just telling uh, tell you... Tell it to Miss Case. I'll be out in a few moments. Uh, Casey, the cops ain't releasing the news yet. Okay. Hello. Mr. Britt, do you know who's speaking? Yes. You found the garage? I'd left like Chinese laundryman, Mr. Britt. 
I find garage. I see truck when they open door. I look around, then tell you all about garage later, yes? Good work. I get the layout, find out how many exits there are. Axford's in the outer office. The police already have the Hornet note. Everything's set. I understand, Mr. Britt. I'll meet you back at the apartment tonight. What about Axford? Axford will be with the police. I'll see to that. When the Green Hornet calls Wayner on the phone, I don't want any outsiders listening. Cleaned up a morning, Dutch. Yeah, you put the heat on one this afternoon, eh, boss? Got your key? Yeah. Yeah, sounds like the form. Yeah, inside. I'll take it. Hello? You been out? Calling you for the last hour, Wayner. Who is this? I left a note on your door last night. A note on the, the Green Hornet. Hornet? For my name's. How many guns have you got for sale, Wayne? You mean... I mean the whole works, everything. Well, I got more than 300, all different types. Uh... What's your price on all of them? On all of them? Hold the phone. That's the one that wants to buy every gun we got. Hey, that guy's no piker. What's a price? Soak him. Yeah. Uh, Hornet, suppose we make it, uh, say, 20,000. That's a lot. Yeah, try and get guns any other way. Okay, Wayne, 20,000. I want to see them first. You can see them. You come over here and I'll have Dutch take you to where I got him stashed. All right? I'll be over. Goodbye. Well, Dutch, looks like we're going to get rid of a load of hot stuff all at once, huh? Yeah, Hornet, don't fool around, does he? Twenty grand. Well, that's more than a half of what we make in a month. I'll go over to the garage and get things lined up. You wait here for the Hornet, get it? Okay, boss. I guess he'll be coming pretty soon, huh? <laughs> Axford out? Yes. You talk to Wayne and Mr. Blake? Wayne around the police, Cato. Police? I'll be watching for the Black Beauty. It's up to us to lead them right into that garage. I see. But first, we're going over to Wayner's place. Why we do that? Have you forgotten, Cato? There's someone else to trap beside Wayner. Oh, the political one, yes? A crooked policeman, Cato. And the sooner the better. I have gas, weapon, and mask, Mr. Blake, and the car's ready. Okay. Yes, sir. But how we find out who is policeman? Wayner left one of his men at his home, Cato, to guide the Green Hornet to the guns. Cato, that man is going to talk. Plenty. Come on. Stayed instead of me. The tamer think that green hornet to get jumpy. I don't like it. What the... for, Dutch? What the... the hornet, I, I didn't hear you. I make it a habit never to come in the front way, Dutch. Just in case. I, uh... Wayner's gone? Yeah, yeah. You're alone here? Yeah, I... What about it? Just asking. I'd like to know where I stand. Yeah, forget it, hornet. You stand aces with us. You, you're going to buy all the guns we got. Where and... did you get those guns? Where did we... Come huh? on, come on, you heard me. But I... What do you mean? They're hot, aren't they? Sure, they're hot. But what difference does it make to you? I want everybody in on this deal, Dutch. Everybody get it? Sure, Wayner and me and... That's right, and the silent part. Well, Wayner said... mind that... what Wayner said, you get him. Hornet, I can't. He's supposed to remain in the dark. You'll be in the dark, Dutch, permanently. Hey, not, not your gun, don't. I get busy. Now listen, Hornet, those guns are... Get busy are... I pull this trigger. <clears throat> but I tell you... Okay. Okay, I'll do my best. Your best better be plenty good, Dutch. Now pick up that phone and use it. Wayner won't like this. Well, I'm paying out 20 grand. He'll have to like it. Maybe he's out. You better not be for your sake. And you better be very persuasive, Dutch, for the same reason. 
I had the ring of the number. Well, what if he don't answer, Haunted? I... He answered. Hello, this is Dutch. You got to get over the garage right away. Yeah, I know it ain't regular, but... Remember, Dutch, my gun? You got to come now. It's... Wayner says it's... It's life or death. Hey, you will? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's better, Dutch. All I kept seeing was that muzzle of your gun. I'm and... using it, Dutch. When I thought you was going to shoot, I... You're... You're kidding. I want you out of the way, Dutch. No, no, Hornet. But wait. Why? Don't shoot. I... Yes, I... Can't breathe. Hornet, you... Out like a light. Okay. You give him gas, Mr. Blake? He won't bother us, Cato. He called the man we want. Who is it? I don't know yet. He mentioned no names. But the third member of this gun racket will be at the garage when we get there. I see. We go now? Not just yet. I want to give him time to get there. Besides, I want to be inside that garage before you drive in with a black beauty. What? Yes, Cato. You'll come in the front, and the police will spot my car and pile in after you. But there's a back exit from that garage out into the alley. Oh, now I understand, Mr. Blake. We will be going out the back, yes? That's right. You'll give me a chance to talk to Wayner and his partner about those guns before... I wonder. Something is funny, Mr. Rick? I'm just wondering, Cato. That 20000 What of it? you are not got the money with you. No, but there might be 20000 in this room. We'll <laughs> take a look. Can you picture Wayner's face when the Hornet pays him off in his own cash? How long are you going to have to wait? Oh, I wish I'd brought my knitting. Casey, shut up. Are you sure that's the place? Right across the street, Miss Case. Well, it's a garage, It's but... the garage. And remember, Casey, if there's trouble, you stay right here on this side of the street. There'll be enough grief without watching out for you. Okay, Axford. You wouldn't be much help anyway as far as... Hey! Holy crow, look who's going into that garage. Yeah, a big shot from the police department. I always thought he was a rat. Suffering snakes. What are we waiting for? Let's go in and see... Stand still, you lug. We're waiting for the Green Hornet. Let him go. All right. Who is it? Richard. Wait here. Take it easy. Stacy, what are you doing here? Rich called me up. He said it was a matter of life or death. Didn't you tell him to call me? No, I didn't. I don't figure this out, but you'd better scram, Stacy. You're a deputy commissioner of police. Or the Green Hornet finds you. Green here. Hornet? Yeah. He's making a deal for them guns you've got for me. But if he knows you're in on this racket, he might blackmail you. You better duck out. Too late for that, Wayner. What the... Oh. Hello, Hornet. Dutch brought you in the back way? We don't need Dutch around. Suppose you and Stacy show me those guns. Okay. Okay, long as you're here. This truck of yours getting a repaint job? Yeah, got messed up a little a couple of nights ago. Before I show them guns, Hornet, how about the cash? I have it. Stop stalling, Wiener. Get this over with. I want to get out of here. Sure, Commissioner. Or as a deputy commissioner. Come on, Wiener, the guns. Okay. This oil barrel right here. Oil barrel? Yeah, Hornet. I just twist it around like this. And there you are, the guns. Well, very clever, Wiener. Now, here's your money. Count it, Wiener. Sure. While you're counting it, I'll just open these doors. Close those doors, Hornet. Hey, what is this? This money is mine. You got it from a safe. Sure I did, Wayner, and Dutch didn't stop. What did I say? Close those doors. If anybody passes by the... What is... What's that car? It's my car, and this is for you. Wayner, look out. It's trapped. Shoot him. Shoot the Hornet. Take it, you rats. Help me out of the way of the car. I don't want you to run over, even while you're unconscious. Tell you, Mr. Blake. Police come from cross street. Then step on him, Cato. At the back. Cato, get moving. Back door, it closed. Never mind that crash right through. Step on it. 
Crow, did you see that, Moran? The harness in his car right through the back wall. It's gone out of sight already. Oh, I might have known that guy would get away. All this work for nothing. For nothing your foot, Moran. Ah, something's nice, Casey. I told you to stay across the street. What are you doing here? Using my eyes, you big lug. Look down there, through this trap door. Aren't those guns? And this truck. Doesn't it fit the description of the one that hit the Sentinel truck? Well, I'll be... Axford, she's right. It's that stolen gun racket. Wayner runs it and Stacy's the rat who got him the gun. Sure. Just check the numbers on those guns and you've made an arrest, Sergeant. And you can... Oh, oh, Axford, what's the matter with you? What are you looking for? Oh, holy crow, Casey. I'm looking for a nickel for a phone card. I got to get the story into the Sentinel. Golly, I can see the headlines right now. <laughs> That's Al Hodge as the Green Hornet from In Hot Guns for Sale from September the 16th, 1941. Next up, X minus one after these words. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Christopher Lee welcoming you back to Mystery Theater. Now, a futuristic drama from X-1 and the story, The Defenders. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X minus one. Tonight, The Defenders, based on a story by Philip Dick. 
now we bring you a special film of the destruction of San Francisco by radioactive pellets, released this week by Roberts of the Asian Confederation. This bombing was televised by Robert Cameramen of the Western Confederation as it took place. What you are about to see is a rebroadcast. Here you see the heroic Roberts, the Leddies, who defended San Francisco against the dastardly attack. Of course, since all human life has been under the surface of Earth for 16 years, there was no actual loss of life in the sense we know it. Still, the vicious destruction of Western Leddies by this sneak attack by Asian robots. The surface war. The surface war, that's all we hear. It's all everybody works for. Ninety cents out of every dollar goes for the surface war. Every man, woman, and child is either inventing new weapons or manufacturing robots to fight for us or taking care of the people who are doing the inventing or manufacturing. Mary, Mary, take it easy. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. Maybe you've been working too hard at the university. Maybe. How's the study coming? All right. Colonel Moss was asking about it only today over at Supreme Headquarters. I'm still working. Mary, you haven't mentioned the enemy much. Oh, what's there to say? Well, is he as hateful as ever? He hasn't been feeling well. Pity. I hope he doesn't die. After all, he's the only living captive member of the Asian Confederation. How old is he, by the way? Thirty-four. Oh, you're joking, of course. No. Mary, Western society only moved under the surface of the Earth some 16 years ago. Now, that would mean that the enemy was captured when he was only a boy. Yes. He told you this? Oh, no. He tells everyone he's 42. I deduced it from inconsistencies in his statements. Well, that's a little dangerous, isn't it? Well, you're the only one I've told, Dad. I wish you wouldn't even tell me these things. Do you expect your friend Colonel Moss to pop out from under the bed? Now you're being facetious. It's no laughing matter, Mary. The whole concept of the enemy is so charged emotionally... And so full of lies. Mary! It's true. I've been talking to him for six months now. He's just an ordinary young man who, who happens to have had the bad luck to come to symbolize every hated thing we fight against. I've heard him speak. He is hateful. He knows what to say if he wants to keep alive. Mary, I won't hear any more of this. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I suppose it doesn't serve any useful purpose. It isn't that. It, I'm, I'm thinking of your own safety. If remarks like this were overheard... Do you know what they do to traitors? I've heard they turn them over to the leddies. They're taken up to the surface. As they approach it, the radioactivity begins to destroy them. And by the time they reach the top... I'll be careful. Good. Now then, why don't we stop this morbid talk? How about turning on some music, hmm? All right. Dad. Yes? What was it like? What? On the surface. Don't you remember? Mm-mm. Oh, no, of course not. You were only about six at the time. Well, it, it's best not to talk about it too much. Oh, tell me, Dad, please. Well, it was quite different from living underground. We lived in a valley, your mother and you and I. There were pretty farms along the floor of the valley, little white houses and green fields and trees. Oh, and there were birds. Yes. I'm afraid the birds are extinct now. It must have been hard for you, those first years underground. Well, it wasn't pleasant. But I had my work at the War Institute. There was so much to be done then. Building the leadies to take over the surface war. Designing the pneumatic tubes to get supplies and weapons up to the robots. Organizing the robot councils on the surface. 
And, of course, the constant fight against radiation leakage. Uh, we're still working on that one. I wonder what my life would have been like if it hadn't happened. About all I know is metal walls and great roaring factories and barracks. Nobody wants to live this way, my dear. We have to. Someday, when the enemy's defeated... What makes you think he'll be defeated? The Asians are just as secure underground as we are. When our leadies conquer theirs... Dad. What is it? Dad, the enemy, the one I've been interviewing. I thought we weren't discussing him. He mentioned a word to me. A word? Yes, it... It seems to me that I heard it before when, when I was a little girl. It's best to forget these things. No, I, I don't know what it means, but it might even be a bad word, but I have to ask you. I'd rather not. Please? Well? The word was peace. Oh, Dan, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shock you. I think I'll go up to my room. I, I have to get up early. I'm taping an interview with the enemy. Excuse me. Get me the director of internal security. Yes? Moss, this is Donald Taylor. Yes, Donald. It's about my daughter. Mary? Yes. She's been working with the enemy, as you know, compiling a new study. Yes? I'm afraid from some of the things he's told her that he may not be completely... Well, completely sane. Oh? I, I thought perhaps you might... Well, uh, supervise their relationship a little more. After all, she's been spending almost six months in his company, several hours a day. I see what you mean. Now, I don't mean to suggest that anything has happened already. Her attitude... Don't concern yourself about it. Everything will be handled discreetly. The enemy is waiting inside, Miss Taylor. Good. Is the recording and filming equipment ready to go? All checked and ready. You've checked the restraint suit on the prisoner? Yes, miss. You may leave us alone. Just buzz when you want me, Miss Taylor. I will. Thank you, guard. Hello, hateful one. Hello, beloved. How are you? Feeling no pain? I thought about you last night. I talked to father. Be careful. Oh, it's all right. Oh, this can't go on, Mary. Sooner or later, someone will suspect. I don't care. I love you. Mary. Well, you'd better get something on tape. If anyone comes in. All right. Tape number 425X. Subject, recorded interview with captive ZN2, former soldier of the Asian Confederation and enemy of the Western Confederation. I am Joseph Kali. Serial number ZN2, former soldier of the Asian Confederation. What were you taught to believe concerning the people of the Western Confederation? I hate them with all my heart. They are inhuman and to be destroyed. What is your objective? It is the objective of my people to enslave all members of the Western Confederation and to utilize them for the benefit of the masters of the Asian Confederation. Did you ever witness any murder of members of the Western Confederation? I was a pilot in a group which dropped radioactive dust on women and children who were preparing to be evacuated underground. I myself killed some 15,000. We will discontinue the interview to check the quality of the recordings and to kiss the lips of the captive from the Asian Confederation. Oh, Joseph, I can't tell you how it pains me to hear you mouthing this stuff. It keeps me alive. 
If there were only some way to escape, some place to go. The surface is the only place to go. And the radioactivity kills you in 40 minutes with the thickest lead suit. Sometimes I think even 40 minutes of freedom would be worth it. 40 minutes of pain? If that's the price, then for I... For myself, I wouldn't care. But for you, Mary... If there were a way to reach the surface... There is. Colonel Moss. This has been, I must say, a most interesting interview to hear. You heard it? From the beginning. We had the room wired this morning. Then you know. Yes. Well, what's going to happen to us? To you, nothing. Because of my friendship for your father and your own youth, we will simply require that you remain silent about anything that has happened. And Joseph? The enemy will be handed over to a D-class leady at the mouth of the tube and taken to the surface. We will perform the entire operation with a ceremony and a public announcement. You'll die. Precisely. No. Please. Now you'd better go. Your father is waiting outside. Joseph. Mary, do as he says. Joseph, I love you. Take her out. Please let me say. Let me say goodbye to him. Remove her. Joseph. Please. Please let me say. Please. Father? Yes? Did you talk to Colonel Moss? Yes. And? He'll permit you to come along and watch the ceremony. Provided... Provided? There's no display of any sort. And, of course, a public denouncement of the whole matter. He's prepared a statement to the effect that the enemy tried to dupe you. That he used uh, hypnosis, uh, etc., etc. Well? I'll sign it. The ceremony is at the foot of the tube tomorrow morning at 6. At that hour, the enemy will be handed over to a D-class leady which is being brought down from the surface. Remember your promise. Detail! Oh! The prisoner is ready to be turned over, sir. Is the robot here? The robot is arriving now. I'll give the orders. I wish to converse with it. Yes, sir. The robot has landed at the foot of the tube, sir. Switch on the intercom. Robert. Robert N-71. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We have a prisoner to turn over. He is to be taken to the surface and destroyed. Yes, sir. Before we send him into the radiation lock, there are a few questions the military would like to have answered. Yes, sir. How is the war going on the surface? The war continues. We are a little short of fast pursuit craft. The single-seat type. It will be noted. Our missiles pounded the Euro munitions plant of the Asian robot team last night with good results. Excellent. Are you ready to receive the prisoner? I am ready. I must warn all observers to remain behind the lead wall when the radiation lock opens. A few seconds' exposure to a hot leady is enough to cause serious damage. Prisoner, step forward. More from X-1 after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. 
Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on 5 CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full 5-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now, back to X-1. Father. Steady, Mary. Remember your promise? Yes. Is he... He's there. Oh, if I could only see him alone a minute. It's out of the question. Keep well behind the lead wall. Ready? Ready, Colonel. Open the lock. Step into the lock, prisoner. He's in with the leady. You can almost feel the radiation. By now, he's as good as dead. Lower the door. No, wait! Mary, come back. Hold the door. Mary. Robert, remove the woman and take the prisoner to the service. Hurry. She'll be burned to death. Don't go out there. The lady is pushing her out. Close the lock. Mary. Sergeant, get a technician in a radiation suit to pick her up. Have her shielded and brought to the decontaminating chamber. Yes, sir. My daughter. You'd better get into a lead suit, Donald. We'll see what we can do to save her. How is she? Bad? Uh, I don't understand it. What's wrong? She's cold. Not a trace of radiation. You mean the leady wasn't radioactive? It's impossible. Those robots are exposed to enough radiation in an hour to kill a regiment. Well, could the counter be defective? I checked it. No, it must be some freak. Somehow she avoided exposure to the rays. Well, you're a very lucky man, Professor. Can I see her? Yes. Go in. Thank you. Mary. Hello, Dad. Did they tell you you're going to be all right? Yes. Well, you don't seem overjoyed. Should I be? You really care for this, this murderer of women and children? Dad, for the last time, Joseph never murdered any women and children. He confessed to those crimes to keep alive. Well, we won't discuss it. You're safe. That's all that matters. Is he... Was he taken up? Yes. By now, he's gone. I don't believe it. Mary. I don't believe it. Somehow, deep inside me, I know he's alive. Somehow, I knew that Letty wasn't radioactive. That Letty. Yes, that's puzzling. We'll have to investigate that. I'm going to send an order to the surface asking that the same Letty be sent down again. There's something very strange about the whole business.
tube is arriving with the leady as you requested, Professor. Good. I'm going in to examine it. Isn't that dangerous, even with the suit on, sir? It won't take me long. Very well. He's reached bottom. Open the lock. Father. Hold it. Mary, what are you doing here in a radiation suit? I... This is the same leady, isn't it? Yes. I was just going in to examine it. I want to go with you. Why? This is the leady that took Joseph up. I want to speak to it and find out. Now, Mary, why torture yourself? It's more torture this way. I have to know. If he's alive or dead, I have to know. He's dead. The leady will know. Please, Father, please. Very well. Close your helmet. Open the lock, guard. the surface. Oh, no. Steady, Mary. Robert. Sir? You accompanied him to the surface? Yes. You've been exposed. I have fought in three battles. Then explain something. Sir? According to a counter I have concealed in my suit, you're cold. Not a trace of radioactivation. How do you explain this? Well? Answer me. That's an order. I must return to the surface. Not till you answer me. I must return to continue fighting the war. Do not attempt to stop me. I again... Daddy has a ray gun. Look out! Keep back. I've shot at him with the metal counter. He'll be burned out in a second. That was close. I thought these robots were unable to harm their masters. He might have been bluffing, but I couldn't take a chance. Why do you suppose he did it? I don't know. But I'm beginning to suspect something so fantastic that I've got to find out about it. Find out? Leave the tube, Mary. What are you going to do? I'm going to the surface. What? My suit will protect me for about five minutes up there. But no humans have been up to the surface for years. It's illegal. It's... I know all about that. Now, will you leave the tube? No. I'm going with you. Mary, please. If you go, I go with you. All right. Hang on. I'm going to start the elevator. Here we go. Unbelievable. 
It's a leddy. Do as he says. He's armed. Good. I am Alpha Five, chairman of the Surface Council. What's this all about? Where's the war? The ruins? What's happened here? Can't you guess? The war. There is no war. There hasn't been any war for 15 years. No war? But the guns, the the munitions... We've been destroying them as fast as you sent them to the surface. And the Asians? Their robots have been destroying their arms also. Why? How did this happen? What about those films of the destruction of San Francisco? What about those televised reports, the, the bombings, the slaughter? Models. Models? We have a full-time division of A-class robots who do nothing but photograph the progress of the fictitious war using scale models. The entire destruction of San Francisco, which you witnessed on your televisors, took place on a tabletop. How did this come about? Quite logically. You created us to pursue the war for you while you human beings went below ground to survive. But before we could continue the war, it was necessary to analyze it, to determine its purpose. We did this. And? We found it had no purpose. War to the logical mind is absurd, but it fulfills a need in human terms, the need to direct your hatred of yourselves away from you and on to others. Eventually, man will grow up enough so that he can face his own dislike of himself with humility. The time has almost come, as a matter of fact. Until it does come, we decided to preserve the illusion of war. Meanwhile, we rebuilt the cities, replanted the farms, and kept everything in readiness. We are the caretakers. What will happen to my daughter and myself? You will remain on the surface with the others. Others? There is a small group of members of the Asian Confederation which came to the surface only a few months ago. They are farming a valley not far from here. By the way, you may remove your radiation suits. There is no radiation. You said the others. Does that mean that the prisoner, the one who... He is alive and well. Oh, Father, he's alive. Where is he? In a farmhouse not far from here. He has rejoined some of his people. Would you take me to him? Can I see him? Of course, if you will just follow me. Wait. There's another car rising in the tube. Stand aside. Just remain where you are. Sergeant, take this lady into custody. Yes, sir. Well, Professor, this is quite a sight. How did you happen to come here? The guard told us you had surfaced. We found the shorted robot where you left it and discovered it was cold. So we decided we'd better investigate. Good Lord, what a shock this is. A blessing, Colonel. Not a shock. Do the Asians know about this? A few of them have surfaced, but the underground civilization is still ignorant of it. They think the war is going on just as our people do. Don't say. You know what this means, don't you? It means the end of the war. It means peace. It means victory, Professor. It means we can mount a full-scale attack. We can drop hydrogen fission bombs right down their tubes. We can wipe out the whole race. But there's no need. There's no war. There will be. 
I'm returning underground to report this to Supreme Headquarters. You'll have to accompany me for security purposes. You cannot do that, Colonel. Since when does a robot give orders to a human? We were constructed to protect you. In this case, we will protect you from yourself. Stand aside. We're going to the tube. I will be happy to stand aside. But you will not be able to descend. No? Well, we'll just see. Look out! Father, what is it? What happened? Look. Good Lord. They've destroyed the tube. We're sealed off. Exactly. We have always had heat bombs in readiness for just such an emergency. Lead and rock are fused for a depth of some ten miles. It will be years before your people can reconstruct the tube. I don't believe it. It makes no difference to us whether you believe it or not. Men, destroy this robot. There are many more. Destroy him. Now. Look down the road. Humans. A bunch of humans coming toward us. Why, they're waving. Those are Asians. Joseph! Joseph! Father Joseph's with them. Ready, arms, men. As soon as they're close enough, I'll give the signal to fire. Colonel, in heaven's name, they aren't even armed. They're the enemy. Our only hope for survival is to join with them. We'll need food and shelter. If we destroy them... The we... professor's right, Colonel. We're cut off from our own people. Sergeant, another word, and I'll have you court-martialed. Now, ready your weapons. Men, don't do it. Our only hope now is peace. Silence! I've got to warn them. Go back! Go back! All right, Professor, you asked for it. Now! Father! Father, is he... Colonel Moss is dead. Thank you, Sergeant. You've saved not only my, my life, but many others. I couldn't see any other way, Professor. We gotta live, too. Father? Yes, Mary? Does this mean that we can have peace? If we want it, Mary. If we really want it, we can have it. have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features the Clifford D. Simak novelette titled Drop Dead. The story of a perfect world, accommodating and peaceful. But how it got that way was less ghastly than how it stayed that way. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you the George Leffert's adaptation of The Defenders, based on a story from the pages of Galaxy written by Philip Dick. Featured in the cast were Lydia Bruce, Warren Parker, Grant Richards, Robert Dryden, Michael Ingram, Stan Early, and Ivor Francis. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. That's The Defenders on X-1 from May the 22nd, 1955. Stay tuned. 
espionage, and intrigue await on dangerous assignment. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Now, Brian Donlevy stars as international troubleshooter for the U.S. government, Steve Mitchell, as he again finds himself dispatched to an exotic destination in sunken ships on another dangerous assignment. Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell in... Dangerous Assignment. Over here. Here I am with the boat. Swim over this way. Here, let me help you, I bold. Give me your hand. Come on. You set the charge of nitroglycerin? Good. And no one saw you leave the ship? Ah, right on schedule. The ship goes to the bottom, and only the two of us know the location. <laughs> and now... Wait. Wait, no. No, put down the knife. No, 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 no! Three ships sunk in two weeks, Steve. And the last one cost the lives of six passengers. Good commissioner. Why send me halfway around the world just because three ships were sunk? Steve, those ships carried U.S. rehabilitation supplies. I see. Now, as usual, you'll pose as a foreign correspondent. Here's your press credentials, Steve. Your passport and plane ticket. Ruth, did you say plane ticket? You take off in two hours. Now, look, I was figuring on a little deal. Now, can't it wait till tomorrow? No, it can't wait. And that's another thing, Steve. On this assignment, there's to be no women and no gambling. It's strictly business. Dangerous business. Okay, Commissioner. All right, Steve. Your first stop in Saigon is the Malayan Star Lines. The manager's name is Bravon. You've got your assignment. Get going. The time now. The place... Saigon, inscrutable city of the Orient, where the ancient and the modern rub elbows in the narrow, crowded streets. Saigon, city of intrigue, of shadows, of forgotten men, of danger. Mr. Brabant, I believe you're in charge of the Malayan Star Lines here in Saigon. That is correct, Monsieur... Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. I'm a foreign correspondent. I just flew in. I'd like an interview. There's not much of which to talk. Three ships of our line sail for Singapore. The first night out, an explosion, they're gone. Just like that, huh? We oui, just like that. Could uh, I take a look at the passenger list for those three ships? Certainly. I have them on my desk. Thank you. You don't carry many passengers. Only a few. Any survivors? From the first sinking, none. From the third sinking, also none. How about the second? One. Who is it? An Englishman named Dixon, the cook. Is he around anywhere? I'd like to talk to him. Aran, tell the Englishman Dixon to come to my office. Most of your crews have been with the line quite a while. It is the exception rather than the rule, monsieur. Out here, one must take what men one can get. I see. 
What kind of cargo were your ships carrying? That is the mystifying part, monsieur. Here are the cargo lists. As you see, the Malayan Star Lines carry American rehabilitation supplies, teakwood, spices, rubber, the usual. This uh, teakwood, I notice all of it comes from the same place. Yes, the plantation of Monsieur Surat. It is inland, up the Saigon River. Come in. You wanted to see me, Mr. Brevont? Uh, oui, yes. Uh, this gentleman is Monsieur Mitchell, a journalist. Nice to meet you, sir. Hi. Uh, Mr. Bravant tells me you're the only survivor from the second sinking. I'm the only one from any of them. That makes you pretty lucky, doesn't it? <laughs> lucky ain't off of it. Look, uh, did you notice anything unusual aboard your ship before the explosion? Well, I was back aft, getting a breath of air before turning in, I was. And I noticed a silhouette of a small boat in the moonlight. Off our starboard beam, she was. And running without lights. Without lights? That's right. Anything else? I didn't have time to notice anything else, mister. Because just then there's a sheet of flame. The whole ship goes up in the air and the next thing I know, I'm holding on to a spar in the water for dear life. Mm -hmm. uh, have you any idea what your ship's position was when she went down? Near as I can figure, we was in shoal water close to Polo Condori. That is an island a hundred miles off the coast of Indochina, monsieur. But, of course, it is but a guess. We have no way of knowing the exact location. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the information. I think it ought to make a good yarn. Do you intend to remain here in Saigon long? Well, that depends. I'd like to talk to Mr. Surratt, the plantation owner. Do you know where I might find him? There is a gambling casino just down the street, monsieur. If he is in Saigon, he will be there. Good. I'm beginning to feel lucky. I am certain you will not lack for games of chance in Saigon, monsieur. I personally find gambling a bore, but it would seem I am in the minority. Yeah, I guess you are. Well, thanks for the story. I'll see you around. Hmm. He's an inquisitive gent, ain't he, Mr. Brevon? Yes, he is indeed. Newspaper chap, is he? That is what he said. Dixon, tell Aran to answer my telephone for me. I'm going out for a while. Sixteen. Ready. Even. Sorry, monsieur. You lose again. Look, this game is slow death. Haven't you got something with a little more action in it? And monsieur would perhaps prefer the dice table downstairs. That's a thought. Thanks. Oh! oh I beg your pardon. Oh, no, it is my fault, monsieur. <laughs> Let me pick up your chair. Well, you are most kind, monsieur. It was very clumsy of me. As a matter of fact, I bumped into you deliberately. It was the only way I could think of to meet you. Monsieur has a ready wit. <laughs> if you're looking for something to tack on after the monsieur, it's Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. They call me Leanna, monsieur. <laughs> they picked a nice name. Well, here are your chips. You pick up my chips and my luck with them. You must allow me to buy you a drink, huh? You see, I am superstitious. Good. So am I. And having a drink with you is suddenly a superstition of mine. <laughs> Let us go to the bar. Liana. Liana. Well, I should have known you wouldn't be alone. It is only my brother, monsieur. Oh, where are you going, Liana? It is all right, Matiga. I am sure the American will take good care of me. Uh, monsieur Steve Mitchell, my brother, Matik. Hello. Oh, your servant offended. Yeah, Matik, you play some of my chips now huh, while we have our drink. Come along, Steve. You uh, live here in Saigon, Liana? For the most part. 
But I'm restless. I travel a lot. Tomorrow night, I leave for Singapore. Oh? <laughs> I guess my luck hasn't changed after all. I will not be gone long. How are you going to Singapore? I travel by tramp steamer. It is not so boring. Oh, not on the Malay Star Lines. Why, yes. Ah, here we are. <laughs> sort of crowded right here. Why don't we move down to the other end? Well, there all is right. room here. I will move over. Oh, thank you. No trouble, sir. No trouble at all. What will you have, Stephen? Bourbon and... Uh, hey. What is it? I just saw someone I know, Leona. Uh, excuse me just a minute. Of course. Be back in a minute. I will order the drink. Well, my dear. He seems interested in the Malayan star line, sir. You think he is involved? It is possible. Very well. I will proceed on that assumption. Boy, come here. We oui, monsieur. I want a message delivered for me. Good evening, Mr. Bravant. Huh? Oh, Monsieur Mitchell, is it not? Have you written your story yet? Not yet. I'm a little surprised to see you here at the casino. When we talked this afternoon, you told me gambling bored you. It does. But I do find interest in observing gamblers, Monsieur. Particularly when high stakes are involved. Oh? Monsieur, I congratulate you on the speed with which you have made yourself acquainted in Saigon. What do you mean? Did I not observe you conversing at the bar with Surat? Surat? The stout gentleman. You mean the guy who was standing next to me? The one with the face like a toad? <laughs> Your description does not flatter him, but it is accurate. Hmm. Well, thanks, Surat. I'll see you around. Undoubtedly, monsieur. Sorry I took so long, Leona. Oh, it is quite all right. Well, here is your drink. Thanks. Say, uh, what happened to the guy who was next to me here, the one who moved over to make room? Huh? Oh, I did not know, Steve. I was not noticing. Hmm. Surratt. Is that his name? Yeah. Well, cheers. Cheers. Monsieur Mitchell. Monsieur Steve Mitchell. Over here, boy. You are a busy man, Steve. <laughs> I seem to be. Monsieur Mitchell? Yeah, what is it? Uh, you are wanted outside, monsieur. Oh? By whom? Oh, he not give name, monsieur. But he say, quite urgent. Okay. Here. Oh, thank you, monsieur. Lana... I know, I know. You will be gone but a minute. Yes, I will wait for you. Mitchell Effendi. Who are you? You are Steve Mitchell? What do you want, a calling card? Yeah, I'm Steve Mitchell. I suppose you tell me why you got me out here. I am Dalai. I suggest that we walk, Effendi. Oh. You always suggest with a gun, Dalai? When it is necessary, Effendi. Come. Mind telling me where we're going? Certainly not. Right around the corner here, and into the alley. Cozy in here. And dark, if empty. Wait a minute. Looks like we've got company in here. It is but my friend Banjak, if empty. Oh, hello. 
What's the matter? Is he bashful? He cannot speak. His tongue was removed by force some years ago. But he is strong and willing. Banjak. Why, you... That reminder from Banjak will serve to open the conversation. Look, I don't know what this is all about. To be brief, Effendi, you have information which I require. The locations of the three sunken ships. The ships? You think I know where they were sunk? Banjak. Look. Perhaps that will refresh your memory. How can I tell you the location when I don't know them? Again, Banjak. I tell you, this wasn't going to do you any good. I don't know where those ships were sunk. Very well. If you intend to be stubborn, you may proceed, Banjak. I told you not to resist. Well, you think I'm going to stand here and let this big ape make mince meat out of me? Very well, Effendi. It is a pity the Effendi bleeds so easily, Banjak. But I must not deprive you of extended enjoyment. You may kick him. I will tell you when to stop. Mr. Mitchell. Huh? Hey, how'd you get in here? I'm Surratt. I learned you were registered at this hotel, so I took the liberty of waiting here in your room. Quite the liberty, wasn't it? When occasion demands it, the courtesies must be omitted. What's the occasion? I will be brief. Mr. Mitchell, I will assume you are a man who is interested in money. That's a safe assumption, Surratt. I believe you're in possession of certain information which is of value to me. Here we go again. Sir? Look, you happen to know a couple of cutthroats named Dylai and Ben Jack? Ben Jack's a big lug with no tongue. Dylai, Ben Jack? I have not had the pleasure of their acquaintance, sir. Oh, it's no pleasure, believe me. Sir? I'll skip it. Now, what's this about certain information I have? I will not waste words. 10,000 American dollars for the location of the sunken ships. 10,000? Means a lot to you, doesn't it? You've been shipping teakwood on the Malay and Star Line, haven't you? From my plantation up the river, sir. It is a matter of record. I didn't know teakwood was that valuable. I repeat my offer. 10,000 American dollars. Uh, I'll have to have a little time to think it over, Surratt. I cannot grant you much time, sir. I'm sailing tonight on the Malayan Queen. You have until 7.30 this evening. Okay. I will expect your answer before sailing time. Until then, good day, sir. Malayan Starline. Uh, Mr. Bravant, please. I am sorry, sir, but he's gone. Gone? Yes, sir, on a business trip. He is sailing in half an hour on the Malayan Queen. Could you get word to him that, uh... uh, Never mind, I'll call you back. Come in. Mitchell. Dixon, what's the matter? A knife in me back. What happened? Malayan Queen, ready to sail. Yeah, I know. I saw someone go aboard that was on the other ship. You mean the ship that was sunk? Yes. Who was it? Followed me here and stabbed me. Who stabbed you? I... (sighs) Dixon! Dixon! Sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Mitchell, but I don't leave the bridge until we're out of the channel. That's okay, Captain. 
I'd like you to look at these credentials. They'll explain who I am and why I'm aboard your ship. Hmm. You're investigating the recent sinkings. Yes, Captain. A couple of people seem awfully interested in the location of those sunken ships. I'm kicking an idea around that maybe there was something pretty valuable aboard them. Hmm. What would it be? I don't know. Are you carrying the same sort of cargo on this ship that was on the others? Yes, as far as I know. Another shipment of teak wood from Surratt's plantation? There is. Also, some American rehabilitation supplies. Hmm. Tell me, could those rehabilitation supplies be salvaged after they were sunk? Oh, no, no. The water had ruined them. Hmm. Captain, suppose you wanted to sink a ship and recover something from it later. What? Where would you sink it? Well, I... I suppose in shallow water. Yeah. Now, what's the first shallow water we'll be passing through tonight? Well, let's see. We'll pass through the Diablo Shoals a little after midnight. Depth there is only 15 fathoms. I see. Is that the passenger list on your desk? Yes. Here. Yeah, looks like the gang's all here. Bravant, Liana, her brother Matik, and Surratt. Captain, I need your full cooperation. Why, certainly. What is it? I'd like you to order these four passengers to be in Brevant's stateroom three hours from now at 11 tonight. Brevant, I demand an explanation of this, being hauled up to your cabin like a common criminal. But, Monsieur Surat, I am as much in the dark as you. I do not think it necessary to point out that this may cost you my business, Brevant. If you would only tell us the reason for all this, Effendi Brevant. Matik, I am sure there must be a good reason for all this. If we are but patient, we will learn what it is. Here is the man who is responsible, Monsieur Mitchell. Steve! Hello, Liana. Matik. Your servant, Effendi. Good evening, sir. Surat. Apparently you forgot our appointment, Mr. Mitchell. I didn't forget it. I had a couple of other things to take care of. Perhaps, sir, you'll be good enough to explain what this is all about. Sure, I'll explain. I'll make it short. I think one of you is responsible for the sinkings of those three ships. You are joking, Steve. Sorry, Liana. To suggest that I could have anything to do with it. You're a good swimmer. I'm afraid I'll have to count you in. It is so ridiculous to think that I or my brother could be involved in such a thing. You make a serious charge against us, Effendi. I know. This is an insult to my long years of service on the line. Perhaps it is a serious charge as far as the others are concerned, Mr. Mitchell. But to suspect that I am involved is ridiculous. Much valuable teakwood of mine was sunk with those ships. Yeah. And maybe it's more valuable than I thought at first. What do you mean by that, sir? I'll let it ride for the time being, because I've got another piece of news for you. Of course, it isn't really news to one of you. What do you mean, Steve? There was a ship's cook named Dixon, survivor of one of the sinkings. Tonight, he saw one of you come aboard. He recognized you as being on that other ship. So whichever one of you it was, killed him to shut his mouth. I assure you, this is the first of these ships I've been aboard, sir, and also the last. One of you four is the killer and dynamiter. That person has a bomb planted on this ship and plans to dive overboard before the explosion. And that explosion is due for about midnight, 45 minutes from now. Steve, this is ridiculous. Is it? Just keep your eyes on that clock, all of you. Nobody's going to leave this cabin for the next 45 minutes. We're going to sweat it out together. Just watching that minute hand creep around to midnight. 11.30. Anyone feel like talking yet? Really, Mitchell? Really, what's Haven't Brevant? you carried this silly joke far enough, Steve? There is only one way to prove he is mistaken in his suspicions, Liana. That is to wait. Can't we get a little air into this cabin? It's so infernally hot. You know something, Surratt? It's going to get a lot hotter. Seven minutes to midnight. We reach shallow water in about ten minutes. 
That means ten minutes before the ship gets blown up. Anybody's tongue loosening up? Surratt? I demand to be released from this pest hole. Bravant? You must be insane. Liana? To think I once considered you... Yeah, to... yeah, save the romance. Matik, how about you? You feel like talking? When one knows nothing, one can say nothing offended. Okay, keep watching that minute, Anne. Hmm? I can't stand this any longer. I've got to get out of here. You've got to let me go. So you're the one, Surratt. No, no, no. You must believe me. I would be the last one in the world to blow those ships up. Why? Surratt! There's, there's gold hidden in those crates of teak wood. Surratt, you fool. He was only bluffing. Now you have told him. You haven't told me enough. Keep talking. You I, I have nothing more to say. Look, Surratt. Three ships have been sunk on account of this. Now open up. Start talking. No, no. I... You better talk before I beat it out of you. Now spill it. All right, all right. During the war, an air raid... A ship carrying gold bullion steamed up the river to escape, but it was sunk near my plantation. I think I can take it from there. You recovered the gold, and this is the way you've been sneaking it out of Indochina, huh? Hidden in crates of teakwood? Yes, it was Liana's Shut idea. Shut up, Surat! But someone must have found out about the gold and has been sinking the ships. Yeah, in shallow water so they can get the gold later. Fendi Mitchell, now that we know Surat is guilty, you will please allow me to leave. I have a headache. Mitchell, it is almost midnight. Yeah, nobody's leaving until I find out who's mined this ship. Fendi Mitchell, you I... keep looking at your watch, Matik. Why? Matik, Matik, what is the matter? Matik, you didn't. You did. You put the explosives on this ship, too. You were going to jump overboard and leave me here, you fool. Where'd you plant it, Matik? Where did you plant it? Let me out of here. You're not going anywhere. The nitroglycerin will explode in two minutes. Matik, you sank those ships. You and Liana betrayed me. Very well. Surratt, put that gun away. Surratt! Surratt! And for you, Liana. Grab that gun, Bravant. Wait, wait, wait. Matik, where's the night progressor and where is it? Surratt, you jughead. You killed the only man who knew where it was hidden. We've got a minute and 50 seconds to find that nitro. Genius. Any ideas, Bravant? Matik could not have put it below decks. Men are stationed all over the ship. It must be in this cabin. Come on. Come on. Get back, Bravant. Wait, wait. Take that side of the room. I'll take this. All right. It's got to be in here somewhere. It's going to be. There's nothing over here, Mitchell. Wait a minute. Listen. There's something kicking. What? Yes, yes, I did it. Under the bunk. Look, that black suitcase. Easy. Oh, it's overboard. Throw it overboard quick. Yeah, I got to get out of the way, Bravant. I got to get it over the rail. Hurry, Mitchell, hurry. Only a few seconds more. It will explode. Throw it as far as you can. You don't have to tell me that. Hit the deck. Uh, Mitchell. Are you all right, Mitchell? Yeah. Except that I'm about five years older, Captain. That was close. Yeah, too close. Probably buckled a few of the ship's plates. Yeah, well, you better put Surratt under arrest. You can turn him over to the authorities when the ship reaches port. Yeah. Chances of getting the gold that's already been sunk are pretty slim, but there's probably a lot of it still at Surratt's plantation. The government can check that. Mitchell, allow me to say... I have never seen one so calm in the face of danger. All the time we were waiting in my cabin after I realized what your plan was, my heart was in my throat. You think mine wasn't? It was choking me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look at me, Bravant. I look like a fairly intelligent guy, don't I? Well, yes, of course. With a normal assortment of brains. Certainly. And a reasonable amount of common sense. But of course. And... Will you tell me something? What is it? Why did I ever get myself mixed up in a job like this? 
You have just heard the second in an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Dangerous Assignment is written by Bob Reif and directed by Bill Karn, with music by Bruce Ashley. This program came to you from Hollywood. That's Brian Donlevy on Dangerous Assignment in Sunken Ships from July the 16th, 1949. In a moment, I'll tell you what's coming up on the next Mystery Theatre. Be sure to join me next time on Mystery Theatre when we'll hear Suspense, Richard Diamond, Private Detective, and The Man Called X. This is your host, Christopher Lee, saying thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Mystery Theater with your host, Christopher Lee. The producers of Mystery Theater wish to thank this station and Radio Spirits for helping make this series possible. This copyrighted radio series is written by Dennis Etchison. Jim McCants speaking. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.